Good evening. Hello. Now, at the beginning of uh, charity meetings, if you, if you ever get with a charity, you have to declare any interest. So you have to, you know, if you've got an interest, you're going to make some money out of something that the charity is doing. My declaration of interest is that that's my daughter. That's my younger daughter. So there you go. So she's good, isn't she? She's really great. So welcome, and again, uh, if you're new, if you're visiting, welcome, welcome to Trinity. Um, so I'd love you to, uh, I'm going to ask you a question, but I'd love you to grab a Bible. There are some hard copies here or on your phone, and we're going to be um, looking uh, at Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. So grab a Bible while you can, or switch on your Bible. We're also going to be looking a little bit from Romans 12, but a, a different translation to the ones that we've got we have the NIV, the nearly infallible version here. So, uh, yeah, so switch on and, uh, and grab a Bible. And, uh, you know, kind of it's that far through, okay? It's near, you know, second half towards the end. You'll be fine. Go for it. Grab it because we believe, don't we? God's word is living and active. So it's words on a page or words on your screen. But we absolutely believe that the Holy Spirit, God who inspired it as it was written, same God with us now, the Holy Spirit inspires us as, as we read. And literally we find, don't we, that any of us who've been following Jesus for a while, we find that the, the, you know, certain words just spring off the page at us or off, off of our screens. That, that's how God works. And uh, probably, hopefully, it'll be something even different to what I'm saying. You know, God will. But here's my question. Who's your biggest influence in your life? Who has the biggest voice? And, and this time, you don't have to say Jesus. Okay, we all know the answer is Jesus. But, okay, so just turn to your neighbor. Move if you need to upstairs. Be sociable. Who, who's the big influences in your life, you know? Who are those voices? One or two people are saying... Dad, well done, Naomi. Just move on from that. Choose somebody else. I know I'm the best and biggest influence, but you know. Who do you listen to? Who do you go to? Okay, you ready? Ready? Second question. Second question. Okay. Um, to what extent do you feel that you make your own mind up about life and stuff? And to what extent do you feel that you are shaped by what? others say, whether, however you want to interpret the others say part. So you can do it on a scale of one to ten. Ten, you know, uh, sorry, one, fiercely independent. I shape my own life. I do my own thing. At my funeral, I'm having, I did it my way, you know, okay. Ten is I'm heavily influenced by other people, 
okay? Everyone has just discounted number six, number seven. Don't go, you know. How influenced are you by other people? To what extent do you feel you make your own path in life? Off you go. Chat to your neighbor. Pick a number. Be honest. If you're on your own, you can choose the number. You can think about it. Great, well done. Okay, so some of you thought it was it was weird anyway coming to coming to Trinity tonight. And um, by the way, if you've just stepped into this place and you kind of thought, you know, I'm interested in this God stuff, and I'd like to just uh, well done because coming in, you know. Um, anyway, this is going to get weirder. So would you like to stand? If you feel comfortable. No, what? You're not allowed to stand. We're going to read a bit of God's word together off the screens all together. And it's not because I've gone super religious. You know we're not super religious here. But it's kind of like it's hot, isn't it? And we just sort of... So we're going to read this. So here's, here's Jesus talking to, uh, to his followers. Um, what's significant about the second word on the screen? What's significant about the second word on the... Andrew, come on, it's too late, it's too hot. Anyone want to shout a guess? Okay, what I think significant, it doesn't say you should try. It doesn't say you might be. It doesn't say you could hope. What does it say? It says you are. So if you're here tonight and you're a follower of Jesus, okay, so you, you know, whatever, however long you've been doing it, however big that sort of feels for you, you know, but at some point you've just said, yes, I believe Jesus, you are God, I believe you died on the cross for me, I, even though I can't work out exactly how it works, who can exactly, I believe that by your death on the cross, I have been set free from the penalty of all the rubbish that I might do now and all the rubbish I'm going to do in the future, and then I believe you rose again. And I believe you're alive, and I believe that I'm alive because of you, and I believe that I can see the world in color HD. I'm not living in black and white world anymore. I'm living fully alive. If that's you, we have one or two Americans. I was expecting an amen, brother, there. Love you. Oklahoma, meet Wisconsin? No, something like that. There you go. That's good. Hey, come on. I'm struggling with Yorkshire and, you know, it's set, this is who we are. Are you ready? This is who we are. How salty are you? Yeah? How lit up are you? That's the question. Are we ready? Let's read it together. So, you, oh, you ought to just turn to each other and point, shouldn't you? You are the salt of the earth. 
But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Next bit. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Are you feeling salty? Now, by the way, I'm 59 years old, you can tell, because I've got a beautiful daughter. So I say things which possibly in other generations have all kinds of meanings, and I apologize in advance. But, you know, are you salty? Are you lighty? How alight are you? Why don't you turn, tell the person who you're sitting beside, where are you going to be uh, tomorrow morning at, um, some of you all need a bit of time to get up, 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. Sit down. Where are you going to be at 11 o'clock tomorrow? Great, okay, that's good. All those, all those who answered the question, probably still in bed, sorry, you know, doesn't count. But anyone who said you would be somewhere where maybe there'd be some other people or there'd be some interaction with other people, I realise, people work at home, etc. My question is, on, in that place... That is the front line for you. That's the whole thing of this series. We're just saying it's a really simple notion. It comes from the London Institute of Contemporary Christianity organization in London who really believe that actually, you know, church so often is the wrong way up. We kind of think that those of us in full-time ministry, maybe somehow we're doing the real stuff and you guys kind of support. It's completely the other way around, isn't it? Any of us in full-time ministry, we've taken a step out of the real world. Still cross with God about it 25 years later. You are the, you're on mission. You are on mission. You're on God's mission because, as I often say, no one else can be you. No one else can have your amazing good looks, John. No one else can have your, uh, you know, personality. No one can have your friends. No one can have your way. No one can have your story. No one else can be quite on your front line in the way that you're on your front line. And you know what? God wants you He wants you to be his hands, his feet, his mouthpiece tomorrow at 11 o'clock. Or if it's better to have said 11.15, then, you know, if you're going to be on the toilet at 11, you're very regular. Choose another moment. But I hope you know that's the whole deal. They're in. That's the whole deal. And so God's question for us tonight, his question is, not, would you like to become, are you going to try, are you going to, you know, maybe go on a couple of discipleship courses, are you going to think, you know, if I get a bit more mature, if I'm as good as Anne, you know. 
Jesus said to his followers, and these were disciples, so if you know the story, beginning of of chapter 5, Jesus has gathered for what gets called the Sermon on the Mount. He didn't go up to a high bit of ground to get away from people. He actually wanted, there's a sense in which he really wanted to teach, and maybe he was actually looking for those who were hungry to find out a bit more. But the people he's speaking to are baby followers of Jesus. They they haven't been doing this for very long. He says to them, not you're going to become, not if you do a, a three-year apprenticeship and, uh, and then do a course, not if you can. He says, you are salt in this world. Tomorrow, wherever you're going to be at 11 o'clock, I want you, says Jesus, I want you to be salty. And, and salt was precious. So the first thing he's saying is you are precious. The Roman soldiers at the time of Jesus sometimes would be paid in salt. You're precious. I I want you to bring God flavor to 11 o'clock tomorrow. I want you to to preserve what is good. This is what salt does, doesn't it? I want you to, to, to preserve what is good. And also, I want you to deal with infection. I want you to deal with rottenness. We often think that the image that Jesus is using is just kind of nice, like white, white table salt, but you know, salt on the table, but also thinking of salt in fertilizer, the stuff that you put in to, to make things grow. Where you're going to be 11 o'clock tomorrow, I want you to make good things grow. That is your mission front line. Are you going to be salty tomorrow, 11 o'clock? He says, I want you to be light. It's incredible light. It's, such, it's a gift and it's a responsibility, isn't it? To say that you are the light of the world. It can sound, to, to those who don't follow Jesus, it can sound like we're being arrogant. But the honest truth is we know stuff that people want to know. Your friends, your people that, you know, who follow on whatever social media channel you're on, the people you're going to see tomorrow, they're hungry. They actually want to know, is there something worth living for? Maybe that's why you're here tonight. They want to know, what's the purpose of life? Maybe you've seen in my generation, you know, it certainly isn't money. It certainly isn't power. Look how it corrupts all of that rubbish. You guys know better than people of my age that you want what's real. Some of you don't want the bar set lower, which is my generation's way. Let's make life easy. Let's make it easy. You want the bar set higher. You want to know if there's something worth living for. You want to know if there's something worth giving your lives for. You want to know if this matters so much that you will go for it. And Jesus says, yes, you are the light. You're the light of the world. You're the light of the world where you're going to be tomorrow, 11 o'clock. God is saying, I've got a mission for you. I've got a mission where I want you to share, be good news. I want you to illuminate. I want you to get rid of darkness. I want you to be the truth teller. I want you to be the agent of love. And grace and mercy, because this is a this is a kingdom agenda. This is Jesus' manifesto for life. 
And it's not, as sometimes over history people have said, oh yeah, it's just an impossible ideal. You, you can't really do this stuff. No, this was Jesus, probably his core message. Jesus would constantly come back to this message about you being called. You're on the front line. If you're a follower, you are salt. You are light. Such good news that I'm not going to be there with you tomorrow at 11, isn't it? How embarrassing would it be if someone sort of said, so what did you do yesterday? Well, um, I went to, um, you know, went to church. Oh, why did you do that? Well, I'm, I'm a follower. I'm a Christian. Yeah, it's just a thing. <laughs> and then, Why? And then Andrew pops up. Hello, I'm here to answer the question on behalf of the... It'll be you. Isn't that good news? Because that person is so much more likely to listen to you than they're ever, ever going to listen to me. For all kinds of reasons. Are you salty? Are you lighty? I know it's not a word, but you'll remember it. Have you had this sense, we've been saying on this series as we've been thinking about our front lines, have you had a sense of God appointing you as, and this might, forgive me if it's not a word that makes a lot of sense to you, but for some it will, like you're the chaplain. Maybe you're at school, you've got a chaplain. Maybe at uni, you've got a chaplain. Maybe you'd have a bit of a notion. We've got one of our hospital chaplains, hi John, here tonight. So have you had that sense that you're appointed, that, that, that home, if you're here tonight and, and you you have a home and a family. That is your primary calling. That's your activity. You're the chaplain to your home. If you're going to be on the school gate tomorrow, you're the chaplain to the school gate. At, at work, on that Teams meeting, on that Zoom meeting, at school, uh, school, college, college, school, all of them. You're the chaplain. That's who you are because you are precious and you are light. You are light receivers. And you are light givers. Why don't you just turn to the person to the side and say, you're a light receiver and a light giver. So here you go. Friends, we're being molded all the time by culture. Here's, here's just a, a picture of someone molding something. I, I don't know what it is. Thank you, Fee. You're doing an amazing job. We're being molded all the time by culture, and there's no point in pretending otherwise. There's an urban myth that we all see 10,000 adverts a day. And in fact, that's impossible that if you do the maths on it. But it's estimated, isn't it? You know, 108 minutes a day scrolling social media, hundreds of adverts. We're born with a personality. We're, we're born with, uh, you know, so much that is, that is us. But we're molded by our culture, by our environment. We're molded by the received wisdom, the stuff that's passed down. We live in, in the UK in a culture where we're sort of gone from being a, a bothered about being guilty about things. I feel wrong about something to shame. Say something wrong on social media. A ton of people all, you know, jump in on you. Maybe you're from a culture where that's already the case. We're now in a shit. You guys operate in a shame culture. If I say the wrong thing, if I tweet the wrong thing about one of the stuff, that, the things that are going on. We're molded by that. 
There's a received wisdom which gets passed down. It impacts the, the way we think as well as the way we behave. Researchers used to think that in different parts of the world, pretty well everyone might have thought about different things, but they would think about those different things the same way. Actually, what they've worked out is culture molds even the way that we think, let alone the way that we behave. In this situation, in this culture, we're not to be molded by our culture. We are to mold culture as Jesus' followers. We're to play our part in God's amazing four-act play. I don't know how many acts Esther's got. Two, three, four. God's got a four-act play, hasn't he? One, act one, he creates. It's beautiful. It's how things are meant to be. It's the God life that we're meant to have, that we're called to live. Act two, the fall, we mess up. We say, actually, God, I'd like your job, please. I'd like to do it my way. I'm better at it. By the way, if you ever come to a funeral, well, you won't. You won't be able to tell me. But if your family say you'd like my way at the end of your funeral, I will refuse. Because it's effectively, forgive me, two fingers to the world. That's what we've said to God. I do it my way. I know best. It's all about me. Act three, we're in it now. Redemption. God has stepped in. I've already said Jesus has come, died on the cross. He's dealt with the penalty for everyone who says, yes, please, I want to take it. God's mercy. He doesn't treat us like he should, does he? God's grace. He gives us what we don't deserve. More life, new life, redemption. We're being remade. And coming is act four, when Jesus returns and all things, all things as they're meant to be. Here we are in Act 3, and God is saying, you are salt, you are light, you are the ones I want to, to tell the story, you are the ones I want to bring the kingdom, you're to be signposts towards the kingdom, but you're also to be walkers, livers, breathers, doers of the kingdom. That's who you're called to be, to mold culture are you molded by your culture, that 11 o'clock place where you're going to be tomorrow? Are you letting others dictate how things are, how you're going to be? Or are you saying, no, I am salt. I am light in this place. Sounds too hard, sounds too difficult. Andrew, how do we do it? Well, Paul tells us, Romans 12, 1 and 2, the message version. This is how Easy and how incredibly profound it is to do this stuff, to be salt and light. Paul says in the message version, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you, critical. Take your everyday ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life. And place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily, oh, I've said, put it twice, haven't I? Readily recognize what he wants from you. And quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, 
God brings out the best of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. It's actually that simple. It's actually saying, tomorrow at 11 o'clock, I'm going to take my everyday ordinary life, whatever it looks like, and I'm going to offer it to you. I'm going to fix my attention on you, God, and you will work in and through me. It's completely simple, but also completely just so profound because because we're called to walk the way of Jesus, aren't we? And the way of Jesus is the cross. So I'm, I'm not going to fool you and pretend that this will make life easier for you. There's actually every possibility and probability that this will make life harder for you at a worldly level. If tomorrow at 11 o'clock you be salt, if tomorrow at 11 you be light, there are going to be people who won't like that. We're in a culture that doesn't really like the truth. We're in a culture that doesn't really like so many things that God says are the best for you. So Jesus never tells us, not for a second, and I'm not going to pretend either, that following Jesus makes this life easier. But the promise in the word of God is that he will work in you He will change you from the inside out and he will bring out the best in you. He will give you the gift of the God life that he's always intended for you. When we start this side of death, walking in the kingdom, doing the things of God, and when we see him in heaven, then it all becomes in its fullness. And that's for the rest of eternity. And it couldn't be better. Please expect opposition. Because as we've talked as a church about, we're not just fighting against practical things, are we? We're not just dealing with the stuff that we can see. There's a whole spiritual realm. There's the enemy. There's the one who wants to steal, the one who in the garden, act two, who said, go on, you be God. And he's at work. Even right, he's trying to steal stuff away. He's not equal with God. He's not everywhere. Actually doesn't know your thoughts. He's pretty good at predicting behavior because he's been around humans for a long time, but he's not. He's not there equal with God. There's not an equal dualism, an equal battle going on for you. But he wants to steal this away and he will fight against you. If you try to be salt, salt stings, doesn't it, sometimes on a wound. If you try to be light, not everyone likes it when you shine a light onto untruths and to rubbish. But it is the best. Because it's the God life. It's the life we were created to have. 
this picture, I, I, I don't know who the person in it, but it's, it's not easy to go against, is it the flow? This is when Nazi Germany was getting going at a rally. I actually don't know who that, who that man is standing in the crowd, arms crossed. He's not making the, he's not making the Nazi salute. When all around him, if you, you may or may not be able to see, there are one or two people in the crowd. Can you just see looking at him? I wonder if some of them are looking and saying, I wish I had the courage. Maybe there are others who are already getting ready to pile in. Pile in on top of him. God's work is from the inside out. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? There's warning here, isn't there, as well. It's no longer good for anything, except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. See, molding culture as Jesus' followers has always been God's plan for us. This passage, this illustration comes, as I've said, on the Sermon on the Mount, the manifesto, the call for all followers of Jesus, the hands and feet, as one commentator says, of his teaching is what we're reading through. God wants you to be, be the salt, to bring the vital missing ingredients to your 11 o'clock tomorrow. He wants you to be light, to illuminate, to reveal practically and spiritually He wants you to bring love. He wants you to bring mercy and grace. He wants you to bring healing. He wants you to bring creation care. Every dynamic of what creation care is. You're precious. You have influence. You have responsibility. Both of these images of salt and light are about difference, aren't they? About living differently, being different, not for the sake of it, not to be weird, but because living differently, living the God way, compared to so much of the values of the world that you and I live. And its purpose, says Jesus, is to glorify God, who he calls here Father, our perfect Father. If you're traveling through the dark and you see a town lit up as your destination, how attractive is that? Just think of the imagery that Jesus is using. Talking to people who are traveling through the dark, stumbling or stumbling around their houses and the light goes on. How attractive is that? God is our father. He, he wants to embrace. He wants to attract. So tomorrow at 11, if you're salt and light, there'll be battle. But there will also be people who you will bless. You will bring life. And they will be so pleased, so grateful, so thankful to have someone they know 
help be a guide to them. You are salt. You are light. Ask God. Ask God to help. You can't do it on your own. Too much, too difficult. Ask God. Offer your everyday life to him. Offer 11 o'clock tomorrow to him. Fix your attention on him. This is all in prayer, isn't it? And let him bring out the best in you.